Hey everybody, it's me, the ever-loving blue-eyed thing, and I'm proud to say that Mike and AJ have come down to Yancey Street to talk about my favorite superhero team, the Fantastic Four. So join us today on The Outer Twilight. Welcome to episode 11 of the Outer Twilight podcast, Reboot, Rewrite, Redux. This week, we take a quick dive into the doomed Fantastic Four film franchise and reboot them for the MCU. We'll stretch to find ways to introduce them into the MCU, burn through some casting choices, clobber the past films, and try to see through to the future of Marvel's first family in film. And as always, when you enter the Outer Twilight, there are no bad ideas. Only idea is that if at first you don't succeed, Roger Corman, then try, Tim Story, try Josh Trank again. Okay, well, I'm Michael, that's AJ, and uh, we're going to take a crack at this. And uh, so when we've done this type of episode before in the past, we've been dealing with, you know, continuing successful stories or continuing successful films with the Fantastic Four that is the furthest thing from the truth. So, Andrew, why don't you walk us through a little bit of the history of the Fantastic Four and in film? Sure. So created in 1961 by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, uh, both legends in the comic book field. Stan Lee, of course, primarily creating what we know as the modern Marvel Universe in the 60s. It was uh, Fantastic Four was sold as the greatest uh, world's greatest comics magazine and focused on a f- an actual family of superheroes. And that's been its focus throughout its run over the decades. Um, the members of the Fantastic Four are Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards, uh, whose uh, abilities are stretching. He can uh, sh- form himself into other shapes and things like that. Um, Sue Storm is his wife. Uh, and she is invisible woman. She was invisible girl for a long time, but she became invisible woman. And as her name would imply, she can, uh, turn invisible. She also has the ability to project force fields. Um, Johnny storm is her brother, uh, younger brother who is the human torch has the ability to ignite himself on fire can fly as a result of that. Uh, as well as project fire or throw fireballs. And finally, Ben Grimm, who is Reed's best friend um, and is uh, a big, burly, orange brick creature, basically. That's what uh, he became. Um, The four of them came together in a mission into space where they were bathed with cosmic rays, and that's what gave them their powers originally. The comic almost immediately captured uh, the attention of pop, the popular culture. Kids love the book, but also grown-ups as well. Um, the Spider-Man t- uh, cartoon series came out in 1967, uh, but it wasn't long after that. There, there was a few other Marvel properties, the Fantastic Four included, that were then pretty regular staples on Saturday morning cartoons uh, through the 70s and the 80s, with the Fantastic Four appearing in guest appearances on lots of other shows as well. Uh, the four have appeared in video games and other media over the years as well. Uh, over the decades in the comic books, uh, the main four characters have died, disappeared, and returned. 
uh, various combinations of those things. And the roster has seen numerous uh, substitutes. She-Hulk would be a prominent one uh, replacing the thing for a while. Uh, And the larger cast now includes Reed and Sue's children, along with numerous other characters, friends of their kids and things like that, where they've adopted uh, basically and grown their family. And they all live and work together in the Baxter building. Uh, in 1994, there was a, a film made of the Fantastic Four. It's, it's sort of an infamous film. Uh, it's generally seen as one of the worst films of all time. Uh, it's also an Ashcan film, which means that it was a film made so that the company that had the rights to, the, to make films to the Fantastic Four would retain the rights uh, to the Fantastic Four. The movie was directed by Roger Corman, um, and uh, is it's really not good it's also not widely available it's never been uh fully released on blu-ray some of the other sort of mediocre efforts from the early 90s like the captain america films have been released um but the fantastic four from then never has but you can find it if you look for it i wouldn't be surprised if it was on youtube um there was a more genuine effort once fox acquired the rights uh to make uh, films and so in 2005 and 2007 there were two films released in fairly quick succession in terms of movies there was the fantastic four and then its sequel the rise of the silver surfer um, both were financially successful for the studio although not blockbusters so they made their money back and they were good but they weren't um sort of overly loved uh, they were critically not well received by actual movie critics, but also by the fans, um, largely because uh, the the villains were not as strong as we would have hoped. Galactus uh, being in the second one and Doctor Doom in the first. The highlight, though, was the cast with Jessica Alba being Invisible Woman, Ewan Graffold being Mr. Fantastic, Michael Chiklis in an absolutely inspired casting as, as The Thing and uh, a pre-Captain America, uh, Chris Evans. Um, as a result, then, they, Fox didn't make a third, uh, didn't see the need for it or didn't want to. Yeah. I was going to say with the Michael Chiklis thing, I had read that uh, he was the only one of the cast that was familiar with the material. And he <laughs> was actually a fan of the Fantastic Four. Oh, nice. And he really wanted to play the thing. It was something that he, yeah. he wanted to do. And he was the one who insisted on more practical effects for the the thing costume. And mm-hmm. I think it was like, oh, I can't remember. Was it 45, 60 pounds of latex as part of that costume? But. Uh, well, and I, to be honest, it, it, in the MCU, I would still like, even if they have someone sort of as pre thing Ben Grimm. I would still love him to be thing, like be the voice of thing and sort of, you know, because voice things, voice would be different anyway. Um, so then this, the, the franchise lay dormant until 2015. And then Josh Trank, who is a director coming in hot off of uh, his found footage, superhero movie called Chronicle was given a crack at the fantastic four. His approach was to have a bit of a younger uh, fantastic Four, different origin story, more high science fiction. However, reports were uh, that Trank had a really good idea, but the studio kept meddling with the outcomes. And what ended up hitting the screen was an absolute disaster um, of epic proportions. I still haven't seen it because I felt like it was 90 minutes of my life. I wasn't going to get back. 
um, because of the poor reviews. Uh, and yeah, it just, I've, I really feel at this point, there's no, not much point in going back to revisit it. Um, the rights to Fantastic Four were acquired by Marvel slash Disney in uh, 2019 uh, when they purchased Fox. And so uh, the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, basically the entire Marvel Universe outside of Spider-Man, uh, who is co-owned by Sony in terms of movie rights, um, is now in the MCU. Uh, the MCU has announced... Kevin Feige, uh, the head of the Marvel Studios, has announced that there is a Fantastic Four movie in the works. It will likely be the final movie of the current Phase 4 of Marvel, the MCU. Um, It hasn't been officially announced in terms of release date yet, so my guess would be late 2023, but far more likely uh, summer of 2024 would be what I would put it at. Um, And we should be hearing some announcements soon, but we haven't had anything yet. Yeah, there's been so no casting, yeah, no director attached to it. Uh, plenty of rumors. Fans have been trying to cast that movie for for a while, and yeah. uh, actually, and and that's the impetus for part of this discussion was because fans have been casting John Krasinski as uh, Mister Fantastic for years, and uh, in the recent Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, you know, they cast John Krasinski as Mister Fantastic of earth eight, three, eight, um, <laughs> you know, as, as, as that fan service and it, and it was fun and it was great, but, uh, with, there's no, obviously no promise, no talk of, um, that ever happening again or, or him reappearing. But, uh, so, so that brings us to, so before we get into the discussion about what could happen, what might happen, what should happen, why didn't these films work? Like, okay, we'll leave the Roger Corman because it was never intended to work. <laughs> and so let look at the Tim story version, the, the 2005, 2007, um, which were successful. And okay. So you touched on the villains being part of the problem. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of positive things going for the movie. Like I, like I said, the cast was good. They all seemed pretty enthusiastic and into it. The first one's a decent mark, you know, origin story. The real problem was Dr. Doom in that movie in the sense that rat. So in the comics, for those of you who may not know, Dr. Doom is the ruler of a country, a fictional country named Latveria. Um, he is sort of a, I don't know what you call him, Machiavellian. You know, he's got, you know, the silver armor with the green cloak, right? He would have dreams of taking over the world if he could. He's had varying levels of uh, participation in all kinds of plans, but he's considered the Fantastic Four's arch enemy, right? Like, and in the movie, the first movie, they made him kind of like a academic rival of Reed Richards. And then... He was also bathed with the cosmic rays and then his power was kind of very similar to Magneto really is kind of where they went with it. And he started literally becoming metal instead of being a guy that's kind of deformed underneath a metal costume, right? Uh, Iron Man like, um, and basically they abandoned everything that made Dr. Doom, Dr. Doom, in my opinion. What did you think? Well, I remember seeing it at the time and like really enjoying it. Um, 
I know when I've seen bits and pieces of it, you know, particularly since the MCU has taken the world by storm, it just seems trite, mm. if nothing else. But like, and one of the things that did work for me was to a certain degree, like Ben, so the thing and Johnny Storm's kind of relationship with the, the teasing one another, which is a big part of the comic book. Um, mm. The, you know, the Reed Sue, Sue Storm didn't work for me. Um, no. Jessica Alba, her, I don't know whether it was her portrayal or whether it was, you know, the director's use of that character. Um, you know, I, and I think in both that and in the Josh Trank, you know, they made her more of a scientist type of individual, particularly in the Josh Trank version. Um, they're all mm-hmm. scientists. Um, but, uh, yeah. And we'll touch on this later on how to make it work. But I think part of what reason it didn't work was it was as much they existed because of doom as opposed to existing because they're family. Um, right. Because yeah, because doom gets quote unquote powers at the same time as, as, uh, the members of the fantastic four and yeah, you know, so it's, I think the, another part of what made it not really work is there was a, and I mean, it's the case with all the Fox movies is that there was kind of a hesitance that superhero movies could really work uh, with their properties. Like uh, they had a habit of kind of like the first X-Men movie is very, um, I would say that it's written like, someone would think a comic book person thinks about what a comic book movie should be. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's kind of like, well, comic book, it it sort of was short selling how knowledgeable comic book fans would be and how dependent on the source material they needed to be. Um, They kept being afraid, like with fantastic four, the problem with doom to me is that it felt like Fox was afraid to make doom doom. They were afraid to make him, a foreign ruler they were afraid to make him they just felt that the audience would think it was too preposterous for him to be who he is in the comic books right um that he's too mustache twirling meanwhile though they're making a movie where a guy made out of rock is running around like it that to me is what really there's a disconnect there with like as a viewer going it feels like they're worried this movie will be too unrealistic if they make doom doom it's like well yeah i'm not going to this because i'm looking for hardcore realism you know um well, particularly when the second movie has a silver guy riding a surfboard yeah. through space yeah and i mean you know the effects haven't aged well in either movie I mean, I didn't mind Silver Surfer. It was better than I thought it was going to be, but it still just felt, I mean, that's the thing is Silver Surfer was cool at the time anyway, and and looked cool. But then when they introduced Galactus again, well, we can't show some big guy that's literally going to eat a planet like he is in the comics. We have to make him like a vague cloud (laughs) that, that, but we'll show the fans his helmet shape in the cloud. So you're not really sure what you're seeing. Like it, yeah, it felt like, again, like they pulled punches. They didn't know how to handle this on a cinematic level. Um, I mean, yeah, and we will get into it when we talk about what they can do now. But 
I think Galactus is a lot more doable now too, from a visual perspective, a visual effects perspective than he was then. Um, well, and they really, and they didn't want to touch the Dr. Doom, the occult um, angle of his character. And that is a huge, huge part of his comic origin and, um, and who he is. But right. And then you look at the Josh Trank one, that one's easy to identify where it went wrong. Um, it's, a mess of a movie. Um, and it's really unfair to the actors. There were some really talented actors and really decent portrayals, but this Miles Teller's amazing. Michael B. Jordan is awesome. Um, I honestly don't remember who the other character I can picture who played Sue Storm, Kate but I can't Mara, remember something like that. Oh yes. Kate. Yeah. Re, yeah. Kate. Mara, she was yeah. good. Um, no, it, it was a mess of storytelling. And like, even like changing the origin and stuff like that, how they get their powers, the relationships within it. Um, the, I, I don't remember now cause it's been a while since I've seen it, but the whole, like the thing isn't really even a part of it for a long section of the movie. And, um, I just remember watching it and feeling, okay, we're about to start the third act. And it was like the end. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it, yeah. I've it's, heard that it kind of ends so abruptly. It's like, yeah, it's paced bizarre and yeah. it's, yeah, it's, an well, it's only 90 film. minutes. I think too, like it's, it's really short. Yeah. And, and you know, Josh Trank basically has disavowed himself of the movie and, mm-hmm. and, and rightly so that it wasn't the movie that he was trying to make. And it was, I do think that the changing, the changing of the origin story and how they got like, I mean, it, it, I think the biggest problem with the movies really is that it's a frustration I've had with Superman as well. In the sense that like, although there's a bit of a difference with Superman, there's just, there's not a lot of good Superman movies. (laughs) And you kind of wish like, I wish we could replicate Superman one and two in terms of quality. Uh, Fantastic four really it's frustrating if you're a fan because you've never had a good satisfying well-represented fantastic four movie that feels like the, the team you grew up with. All right. So, well, then that brings us to the big question is what, what does Marvel need to do to make the fantastic four work in the MCU? You know, they've got the keys to the kingdom. They've got, um, well, they've got one big thing that the Fantastic Four movies haven't had in the past is that they have a universe to play in. They right. don't have to do the universe building in the same way. They don't have to do the world building in the same way. So, of course, that creates a secondary problem is that, you know, it's in the MCU, it's what, 2023, <laughs> 2024, and there's been no appearance of the Fantastic Four. And how do you make it work within that context, especially in light of the fact that, you know, yeah. well, in, in Dr. Strange, we had, you know, the fantastic four existed on earth eight, three, eight and, um, were very prominent there. So why? Well, and so did the X-Men. And I mean, it just, yeah, it just occurred to me this week that really the, you know, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of bandits is kind of the first representation of the full Marvel universe, even though it's not, our Marvel MCU, yeah. it's like there is a universe out yeah. there that had everybody, right? Um, but uh, 
I think what Marvel needs to do, Marvel has a challenge. I, I think their chief challenge is, and, and what's different than a lot of the other movies, like when you look at Avengers, they built the Avengers slowly. Like they started with Iron Man, they added in Thor, they brought in Black Widow as a side character, same with Hawkeye. Um, so by the time Avengers rolled around, the team coming together was very natural. We didn't need to learn a lot of, we didn't need new characterization. We knew who these characters were coming in. When you have the Fantastic Four, you already have a challenge in the sense that you have to basically do a collective origin story, which is what the comics do. But you basically have to understand their relationships to each other. I mean, four origins creates four times the complications. Um, and we, you and I have talked about, like, how are they going to bring in the Fantastic Four and the X-Men into the MCU without it be feeling like there's sort of miles behind the MCU, right? If, you know, this, this is the first time the Fantastic Four have shown up, they've already fought Thanos. There's already been these huge things. Who needs these new guys, you know? Um, and so I really don't have any answers for how they'll do that. But to me, the biggest problem from a storytelling perspective is putting the team as a team, making the family a family and not overly focusing on one or two characters, but really helping us understand what makes the Fantastic Four different. Um, okay. Well, I, yeah. to that end, I've done a little bit of work. And oh. so Fantastic Four is something that, um, that I've loved for a long time. Um, I'm not by any stretch a super fan or anything like that, but you know, I've got, I've got a lot of, fantastic four comic books um and so when i looked at it i kind of thought okay what are the core values to the fantastic four and so there were three that i identified and of course number one being family and and not the found family that we see like in guardians of the galaxy or even the avengers you know you look at uh end game where black widow's talking about you know okay this is my family because she had no other family um But the Fantastic Four was literally a family. Um, and that dynamic was really important in the comic book to them. Um, and, you know, we could have an entire podcast on talking about what that means because, like, there's some weird stuff. Like, <clears throat> you know, we talk about their kids. As a brief example, so, you know, uh, in the comic books, like, I don't know, Valeria think is how they pronounce her name (laughs) but she's you know in one respect she's like an alternate dimension product of doom and sue richards and then but then magically is brought into this one where sue gives birth and then but dr doom makes it happen and so then because he saved her life he gets to name her um and he actually makes a joke about naming her duma or something like that but it says he's not that cruel um but you know and then by extension okay he becomes part of the family so but family exploring that family dynamics and like even when you talk about how the fantastic four became popular originally back in 1961 that was one of the big differences and that's what stanley wanted to do different was um he wanted to be a family and he wanted to be a, in a lot of respects a dysfunctional family you know that fought that they argued and stuff like that but they were family. So they stuck together and that was just Mm -hmm. what families did. 
Um, and it was different than what the Avengers were doing. It was obviously different than what, you know, detective comics were doing with, uh, you know, Batman or Superman, stuff like that. So family, um, the Avengers are brought together to protect the earth. The fantastic four exist to make the world better and to make everyone's life better. Not just theirs, not just, you know, the direct people they save. They want to make everything better. And the other core values, they were explorers, adventurers. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to learn new things, you know, th- that scientific curiosity. And, you know, and I think there was sort of like a mild attempt with that with Josh Trank with getting so science focused, but then I, it, it got lost in itself. But uh, so those were the three core values that I think that the MCU needs to have to kind of differentiate why they're different and why they matter uh, beyond the fact that, you know, yeah, Reed Richards is supposed to be like the smartest man, man alive. Like he makes Tony Stark look sluggish at times. Um, but see, um, and, and like, I would really want to see in a Marvel version, I, I would really also like to see them a little more closely uh, stick to their comic book personalities, which is, you know, Reed is a guy that often you kind of, wonder why Sue married him. <laughs> and I mean, that's even come up in their own book, right? Like with yeah. Namor, there's a storyline where Namor is in, in, you know, sort of infatuated with Sue and this is going back a ways, but you know, is that she's in, he's enamored with Sue and Sue is sort of tempted almost because Reed is, you know, he's act sort of indifferent because he's so smart. He kind of, he's lacking somewhat in personality. Should we say, I guess, um, and I'd like to see that more. And I want to see, you know, the Johnny storm and thing dynamic where in essence, they're, you know, Ben is sort of an uncle in some ways to Johnny, you know, like he's kind of that, you know, the fun uncle kind of thing, but they, they rip on each other and tease each other. I think, you know, there's times where they actually make each other mad too, you know, and Sue being someone who is, you know, she loves Reed because she doesn't expect him to provide everything that she needs in her life. She's someone that seeks that stuff out. She loves the adventure. She loves, you know, she can do a lot on her own. Um, and so there's very much more a mutual respect in their relationship um, than in a lot of, you know, quote unquote, traditional married relationships. Right. So, so, so I have a brief kind of synopsis of, how they could bring the fantastic four into the MCU. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, although I really would love to spend a a ton of time on this, but uh, um, I mention it because, you know, the reason for our podcast is, is about creativity and it's about storytelling. So we need to do a little bit of that. And so, so the first point that I want to make is that Dr. Doom is not in my fantastic four movie at all. And the reason for that is twofold. One, um, you need to establish who the Fantastic Four is before you have Doom. Because then you can avoid the mistake that the first one made where it felt like they existed because of Doom. And I think it needs to be, they need to exist because they are family, because they want to make things better, because they want to explore and have an adventure type thing, not because there's... um, Dr. Doom making them 
be together, right? Because then you're just the Avengers. Well, and um, you don't want to sideline Doom to event, sort of end up becoming a side character either. Really, Doom sh- deserves to be an ongoing problem in the MCU well, when you look at and, his scale, right? And to that end, I want a Doom origin movie. Right. And to show from his perspective how he became Dr. Doom and to go through that. And, and part of that would serve to have, you know, show the interaction. Like, you know, yeah, he was in university or he was a colleague of Reed Richards and, um, you know, and there's stuff with that and I can get into that if you really want, but, uh, no, my fantastic four MC movie is starts in the sixties, just like the comic book, very similar Mm -hmm. origin story, but it's not going to be mentioned. You know, it can be referred to maybe a flashback, you know, but, uh, you know, Spider-Man came in, mcu they didn't do the origin movie because we've seen it numerous times before um fantastic four i don't think we need to do it i think the people are going to be going to it at this point have a pretty good idea of how they did it um what i would do is though so i'll I'll just tell the story chronologically as opposed to okay laying out the movie um they start in the 60s they get their powers very similar to the start they have adventures and stuff like that but the doom stuff, not so much. Um, and then Reed and Sue get married and they're pregnant with their first child and they get visited by somebody from the future. And it's a future version of that child. who warns Mm -hmm. them that there's somebody coming who doesn't want Reed to survive and is going to, take out Reed and in the future in doing so destroys a lot of the earth to do it. Mm. And so then Reed and the rest of the fantastic four make the decision that, um, their best bet is to not be there to protect the earth. So, but at the same time, Reed's been working with a colleague, Hank Pym, and they've developed the particle that can allow them to go into the quantum realm. They have a theory. Reed pushes that theory a little bit more and they decide they're going to go to the quantum realm into a little pocket of the quantum realm, the negative zone. And they're going to exist there until there comes a time when Hank can send them a message, say that it's safe for them to come back, you know, whatever, you know, type mm. thing. And maybe they're, they're Franklin Richards. The older version tells them, you know, um, this is the only way to do it. And, so, but before they go, they get the, uh, oh, blanking on the name, but, uh, the ancient one, the sorcerer Supreme of the time to do the Wong. same spell. Mm. No, no. The, the 1960s. Oh, Sorcerer okay. Supreme. Sorry. Yes. Uh, till this went cast that same spell that, uh, Dr. Strange does for Sp- Spider-Man to make the world forget that the fantastic right. four ever existed. And, uh, so then that's why Dr. Strange in uh, Multiverse of Madness, when he hears the name Fantastic Four, oh, didn't they chart in, this, in the 60s? Which is really odd because they show he has an excellent recall for music and he's a music aficionado. So, but F- Fantastic Four kind of tickles at the edge of his consciousness because, mm. but the rest of the world forgets. And so the Hank Pym, he believes he created the Pym particle all, all on his own, forgets that the Fantastic Four ever existed. They're not there. Now, okay, I'll switch over to the Doom 
Doom does remember, but before they disappear is when he has his accident that severely disfigures him. But it's so bad now that the only way to fix it doesn't exist. So he uses the occult to put himself into kind of a suspended animation to heal. And so then when he wakes up, he'll remember that they used to exist, but they don't anymore. So he goes back to Latveria, does all his origin stuff type thing in the 2000s. And then the end of his movie is when the Fantastic Four eventually return back to the uh, regular world. And then he wants his revenge on Reed anyway. So then the movie would be them exploring the negative zone, finding a civilization. Um, maybe that little city in the quantum realm that we saw in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, you know, there's a uh, last star or whatever. There's a bunch of negative zone type of villains you know, they could have a villain that they fight, but they're helping people. They're doing good things. Um, and you could have it that, you know, at the end of Ant-Man 3, Quantumania, where when Kang is supposed to return and, um, you know, a message is sent to or communications to Ant-Man again that there's somebody else down there and that triggers. And that's when they reappear back in the regular world is at mm. the end of that movie. Hmm. That's cool. I, I think that's great. So, do so you and then time works differently because then it, there's a time vortex. Yes. So while 60 years have passed on our world, it's only been like six years. So you have like a six year old Franklin Richards, um, you know, that's so, cool. So they have yeah, the I like that idea. stuff. They've been adventuring well, they, for six years. You still, so then you have like maybe mid 30 year old yeah. from a narrative course. perspective i mean that's fairly easy to do because you can just sort of make the quantum realm do whatever you want it to to suit the yeah. needs right yeah. like you, you can kind of because we don't really have and i think it's smart on marvel's, marvel's part we don't really have a uh really solid understanding of the physics of that situation right so well and the fact that franklin grew up in the quantum realm it mutated him right and okay he's like your first mutant <laughs> Ah, okay. Yeah, I like that. I mean, so is there a villain villain in your in your version or just you've that's the framework you've got in the villain is kind that's of That's a framework. Yeah, they'd have like they could do Blastar is an is a negative zone one. I don't know if that's his name. B L A A S T A R something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah, the, the villain that comes to mind is Annihilus. Is I was going to say Annihilus. You could also have a negative zone mole man if you really want to go with that. And then you cast yeah. Danny DeVito as mole man and just go nuts with that. But, um, but yeah, mole man is a villain. That's very hard to take seriously in a modern context. Like yeah. it, he's such a, you know, yeah. No. So that, and that, and so then, yeah, you save doom for down the line. Once the whole Kang thing is done, because I think doom would be a villain that would be, yeah, a fantastic four villain, but he's, He's like, I think on the pantheon of Marvel vid- villains, Doctor Doom is probably number one. Um, from the in terms book. of an on in terms of ongoing threat, yeah, because I mean he is he I mean he's like Black Panther but evil. I mean he's the ruler of a sovereign nation, so he's kind of like really hard to get to, right? And so he's kind of an ongoing thorn in the Mar in Marvel universe aside, because if he just decides to act like a jerk, 
they've got a big problem on their hands. Um, and he's a very gifted scientist himself and can create like doom bots and all that stuff, which could create some really great set pieces and things. But well, I like yeah. your idea. It works really well. It's certainly better than anything I could come up with for. Well, for in a lot of ways, Dr. Doom is Iron Man and Dr. Strange mixed into one individual casting choices. And okay, let's start with let's Doom. Start with he's not part of our MCU uh, fantastic no. movie, but um so the one suggestion that I saw was uh Michael Fassbender, who you know played a very complex vil- Marvel villain already. Um, yeah, but I think well, I feel I feel like it would be really hard to make it distinct. <laughs> like it would be very hard to make his doom distinct from his Magneto. The, yeah very similar in a lot of ways well i i know and it would be it would it would blur um so i don't think it would be served well to do that i thought but like from an acting perspective like i think i think that's the type of nuance that you need Mm -hmm. that uh because he's like you you referenced earlier he's like a mustache twirling villain who isn't right it's like yeah, well, he's kind of that guy that takes himself too seriously, but yeah. What about Keanu Reeves? For Doom? Yeah. Actually, that's that's a cool idea. The fact that the idea of him playing a villain, I think he could do a really amazing job. Especially and a villain who doesn't could. see himself as a villain. Right. Yeah. I think that he could do a pretty decent job. Yeah, actually, he's a really good call. I kind of like the idea of him. I think it it's hard to see Marvel doing that or possibly Keanu Reeves being I, I, I think I could see him like loving the idea. Um, he even flirted with it. Of all things, there's a, a Netflix movie where I uh, can't even remember what it's called, but it's it's a romantic comedy. But he plays basically a jerk version of himself in the movie. Like the character actually dates Keanu Reeves and he's like a, a, a kind of a mean spirited version of himself. And it's, he's great in the part. So, yeah. And I mean, I'd love to see Keanu Reeves in the MCU. And I think although we wouldn't really see much of Keanu Reeves because he would have the Doom mask on. But uh, and I guess that's the other thing. It'd have to be an actor that would be willing to be covered up for primarily most of most if not all of their role maybe they could do a Darth Vader type thing with him um but come to think of it Ewan McGregor might be a decent guy to play Doom as well okay he's maybe a bit old but yeah well see in my version Doom would be older than the Fantastic Four Hmm. my version he could be in his 40s 50s um because he spent time building Latveria and he's loved there. That takes time. And I would want him at the height of his power when I'm introducing him as a, yeah. as, a as a villain. But yeah. Okay. Let's cast, let's cast the main four characters. Um, okay. So do you have a cast list for us? I don't have a list particularly. I, my, and I'm sticking like, I want John Krasinski and Emily Blunt to be Mr. Fantastic and Sue Storm. I love the meta idea that a real life married couple would be playing Mr. Fantastic and the invisible woman. 
I think it's too good of an opportunity to pass up mostly because, and I think the other thing is too, is, is not only is Krasinski a really good choice for Reed Richards, Emily Blunt is an amazing choice for Invisible Woman. She absolutely looks the part. Um, and I think she could really blow the doors off of that, like of that personality of hers of being kind of, cause she's played a few strong, you know, uh, you know, Mary Poppins, which is she, Mary Poppins is a very strong kind of like willed, you know, strong, willful character. Um, I think she could absolutely kill it. And the fact that they are married in real life, I think would bring some genuineness to that part. So that would be my read and Sue. What about who would be your read and Sue? Well, I went with, um, so I went to a fan site that had a lot of suggestions because I'm horrible mm. at casting stuff. Um, <laughs> and they had all these different people that have been rumored to attach, be attached to different roles and stuff like that with fantastic four. And the one that I came across that I thought was really interesting. And then the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. William Jackson Harper. He played, um, the lead in, um, the good place. Oh, cheaty. Yeah. As Mr. Fantastic. Uh, yes. That's actually a cool choice. We know we can do the intellectual stuff. Yeah. We know we can act. Um, and as his Sue Richards or Sue Storm, Kristen Bell. Ha. Ha. Now you're going real meta. But yeah, I mean, she could be a really good plucky. I don't know. Like they've got to actually be close to the same age as Krasinski and Blunt, but they read a little bit younger for some reason to me. Like they must be very close in age. But yeah, I like that casting. I think though, isn't he kind of short? Like Reed, I feel like needs to be someone that has a bit of stature. I mean, that's a minimum criticism, but yeah, it's just, and I'll admit like part of my thinking is that, you know, they've got, so Kang is way, way, you know, thousand years down the line, descendant of Reed Richards. Um, they've got John Majors mm. playing Kang, you know, so, you know, you know, there's some symmetry there, but uh, we don't actually get to cast this. Um, and, you know, and I thought, yeah, the stature, yeah. Oh, you want tall and skinny kind of thing, but um, yeah, I just went with, I just really liked his portrayal of Chidi in uh, The Good Place, that that intellectual type thing, getting wrapped up in his thoughts, you know, kind of almost becoming oblivious to the world around him. Um, but also the physicality, like, dude is cut. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, and, and Kristen Bell, you know, I think, yeah, she's got a lot of the look to it and, um, and I think she can play, like, I think Sue Storm would be a step up as far as dramatic role, potentially. Because um, the Sue Storm that I would want would be, like, you know, one of the suggestions that I saw out there was, like, you know, that she's a, that she's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And that's how mm. she got, gets connected with Reed type of thing that, you know, that mm. she's, you know, while Reed's the, the leader of the team, she's kind of like the tactical leader of the team. Um well, they've been hush hush on who's who Amelia Clark is playing on uh, uh, Secret or no uh, Secret Invasion. Oh right. Oh, yeah. but 
you wouldn't be a bad choice for Sue either. What about your Johnny? Who's your Who's your Johnny? So Johnny, I I put brand new actor, somebody that's never been seen in anything. First role, um, got to be younger. Got to have you know a similar look to whoever your Sue Sue Storm is. Um, that you know that can play that brash, uh, playboyish type individual. Um, but that is at his core insecure about stuff. There's two guys I can think of off the top of my head that I would like to see or well, that I had pondered and I'd like to see. Um, although it probably wouldn't work timing wise for the one of them, uh, Grant Gustin from the flash. Um, he kind of fits the idea of a new movie person anyway, because he's only been in the Arrowverse. He really hasn't done a lot of film work. Um, I think he has the kind of, he's a good actor for one thing. I think he can totally play brash as well as insecure really, really well. Um, another actor I can think of that I would like is Darren Chris, uh, who was in, he was in Glee, um, uh, playing a character named Blaine. He's a very good, versatile actor. He's great with that sort of bravado type, uh, you know, sort of bravado, but a soft center, you know, that's kind of his, uh, his skill set, and he'd be about the right age too to play Johnny. Um, and so I think that he would be a decent choice. Um, but I like your idea of an unknown. Um, I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. I guess. <laughs> um, Bring back I'd wonder Chris, too somebody somebody like a Freddie Highmore or maybe somebody who was an actor that we haven't really seen in anything prominent uh, yeah. in a long time. Um, Freddie Highmore, you know, he's, I think he's probably a guy that, well, he's on the good doctor now he's been on that for four seasons uh, and is a fantastic actor, but, but yeah, I, I get where you're going with it. I think it's just, it would be, I I'd like to see it be a face we haven't seen in a while, as opposed to somebody completely unknown. Um, yeah. And Grant Guskin could, uh, if, uh, they let him actually look older, I think he could play a Reed Richards. I mean, he certainly got the build. You know, he's kind of tall. And well, that's what, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I mean, I guess it depends what age they want him to be, you know. Um, but, okay. Uh, okay. Ben, so what about, ben. what about Ben for you? I want you to say yours first. <laughs> uh, I really struggled with this one because Ben is primarily about the voice, right? Um, it, the thing to me has to have a strong um a strong voice good comedic ability you might think i'm nuts but uh the one that kind of springs to mind is matt leblanc um i think i i, re- I realize that sounds bananas but if we're talking about primarily as the thing and not ben um where it's the voice is is different i could see leblanc being able to infuse him with that needed New York bravado, you know, that sort of, you know, New York attitude, you know, he's got to have kind of a gravelly kind of, you know, and I, I could see LeBlanc doing that. I, I kind of doubt they'd cast him because he's a little bit past his expiration date as far as they're concerned. I'm sure the other one, I think though, that I could, I would like, but I really don't think he could pull it off would be Statham, Jason Statham. I mean, he's got such a great gravelly voice. I just don't think he could pull off the New York accent. Um, but that's kind of the vocal quality I would love to see is, is that kind of, uh, you know, down in the throat kind of sound. Um, who's your choice? So part of what I was thinking was, so 
Ben is supposed to be, you know, a top notch fighter pilot, which is, you know, when we look at Michael Chiklis, I didn't buy him as a fighter pilot. No, <laughs> didn't have the build for it. And, you know, and the, the thing build is very different. Like he, he's basically looked like the thing. Um, so I went with Joseph Gordon Levitt. Oh, he's a good call. Actually, he could totally pull off that voice. He definitely could. Um, in fact, I feel like I've seen him in something where he did a similar type thing. I think he in, just, he's a phenomenal yeah. actor. I think has the range where, and, and I think that Ben is probably the most complicated of all the characters portrayed, yeah. especially once you get into the, you know, his relationship with Alicia masters and, um, you know, his dealing with the, the being changed and how that affects his life. And, all that You're much better at this than I am, but yeah, Joseph Gordon. I I agree with you, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Totally, like I, yeah. When you say it, it's like yeah, I totally. I, I you know, get and, and I can buy him know. and Reed being you know, best friends, Buddies. and you know, because yeah. you know, it had to be somebody that you believed that would have been at the same university as Reed yeah. Richards, <laughs> at the you know at the same time. So probably <laughs> a bit older because I don't imagine Reed Richards was like you know an 18 year old freshman. He was probably a 14 year old, 12 year old freshman type thing. But, um, or if you want to go meta again, you could have rain Wilson as, uh, he played Dwight on the office, (laughs) (laughs) but no, I, I, Joseph Gordon Levitt would be a great choice. I think for sure. So right on. Well, I'm looking forward to it no matter what. So I'm, uh, it's been good talking to you about this. Thanks, Mike. Hey, Take care. You too. See ya. Thanks for joining us today here on The Outer Twilight. Please feel free to subscribe to our podcast anywhere you usually subscribe to your podcast. If you prefer to watch the podcast, you can find us on YouTube on our channel, The Outer Twilight. Have a great day.